The Edge of the Box podcast is sponsored by Ultimate Fan, the perfect blend of fantasy football and ultimate team. You use packs to build your side with great prizes to be won. Users, of course, must be 18 and over and terms and conditions do apply. We have a unique referral code as well. If you sign up with TN1420, you'll get 500 bonus coins and the bonus coins will be credited on Monday. So check out Ultimate Fan if you're interested and thanks to the guys for sponsoring the podcast. Hello, welcome back to the Edge of the Box podcast. I'm joined by Jonathan Wilson and George Ellick to look forward to this week's Premier League action and also because it's deadline day when we're recording, I imagine we'll do some transfer stuff as well. Jonathan, where are you? I'm in Abidjan for the Cup of Nations. Okay. Looks very abidjan I don't really know what Abidjan is, but it looks very abidjan <laughs> your, your, your Yeah, your I mean, there. basically these curtains tell you everything you need to know about Ivory Coast. Yeah. And George, you're in the kitchen today instead of the office. Yeah, it's it's deadline day, which means that my office is currently like a transfer war room, uh, which wouldn't be conducive to um, to recording a podcast. So um, yeah, that's where I am. But I do, interestingly, Jonathan, a friend of mine was out in um, in uh, Abidjan at the beginning of the Cup of Nations, and I managed to. He was desperate for a pizza when he was hungover. So I used my Googling skills to find them a good pizza place. And he said it was one of the best pizzas he's ever had. I've had so a I've great pizza here. There's you. a place called um, uh, Apollo Versailles. It's the same place. It was called. Let me in, find in, it. I have to find Andre. it. Now. I mean, this is, this is absolutely brilliant. You've got George saying he's tight for time, then he just doesn't <laughs> talk about pizza for five minutes before we before we get started on, <laughs> on the podcast. I, I, I've eaten time. really well here. I had, I think, the, maybe the best chicken nice. and chips I ever had last night. It was, it was stunningly good. Let's just talk about food for an hour. Let's attempt to start talking about the Premier League action and start with Arsenal against Liverpool. Jurgen Klopp going at the end of the season. You're one of the, the top industry journalists out there. Did you see that coming? No, no, not at all. I don't no, think anybody did. And it's remarkable they kept it quiet from November, if that's when the decision was made. Um, but, I mean, it, it, I think it, it makes sense. I think knowing when to go is one of the hardest things to do. And I think it, it actually speaks incredibly well of him that, that he's recognised, he's knackered and, and doesn't want to just keep keep dragging on. And uh, I think you see a, with a, a lot of long-term managers that, that they do hang on too long. So you look at Wenger, you look at Clough, and their careers essentially have two phases. Yeah. They have the really successful phase, then the phase, it's, it's okay. They either win some FA Cups or they win some League Cups. They finish in the you know, the top, top four or top six. But they're, they're they're not the the great glorious, and so it ends with this sort of sense of frustration. Well, that's not going to happen with Klopp. Whatever happens now, he's he's leaving. I mean, it may not be on a high. We'll see. But it, it's it's definitely with the club looking like they're back on the up again, and and that's a very very rare rare thing to leave. I mean, yeah, we said this at Ferguson as well. They, yeah, they just signed uh, Kagawa and uh, Zaha that summer. Uh, they they just arrived. And we sort of thought, oh, you know, he's, that's leaving a good legacy. And it, it turned out not to be the case. So it may be Liverpool are not in as strong a position as they appear to be. But the rebuild of the squad has at least begun. Yeah, I think they sit somewhere in the middle of Alex Ferguson and, and Arsene Wenger leaving, George. I think it's probably the second toughest act to follow, whoever takes over from Jurgen Klopp. Because like Jonathan says, he's going to be bowing out on a high. You know, Arsenal had really regressed under Wenger, battling for the top four every season was what not what they were doing at the start of, of Wenger's tenure. But for Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool, they are still in, in four competitions, could, could win a quadruple 
Do you think he'll go out in a blaze of glory? I I, I hope he does. I mean, if Aston Villa Football Club aren't going to win the league in the FA Cup, I hope you're going to win the first push. Yeah, I think there is some glory to be had this season for, for Liverpool. You know, they're currently second favourites to win the league. Um, they're not far off going favourites if they continue their run of form. You know, we talk here the, the day after they played against Chelsea. And I know obviously Chelsea's performance season hasn't been great, but there was a massive quality gap between um, between Chelsea and, and Liverpool on Wednesday evening when Liverpool were by far the better side. This is a Chelsea team who probably performed best this season up against the better teams of the league. When you consider their games, Arsenal, uh, Spurs, City, <clears throat> they've taken the game to those teams and done really well. So for Liverpool to wipe the floor with them as they did was very, very impressive. Um, they are massively in the picture for the, for the Premier League, for domestic cups and also for, for the Europa League as well. So... Um, I think there will be a, a fairy tale ending at the end of the season. Whether it's all four, we'll have to wait and see. I completely agree about, you know, I think if Wenger had left, I mean, almost kind of a decade before he did leave, um, yeah. and then things would have been very different in terms of his legacy. Uh, Klopp is leaving at the right time. But I'm amazed, you know, when you consider how all consuming being a, a manager is, especially when at the end of the season, when, when most of the players fly off to Dubai for a few weeks or, or whatever else. For a manager, you don't have that time. You know, you are immediately, there is another, unless you are willing, and obviously Jürgen Klopp doesn't have a huge amount of sway when it comes to recruitment. But even so, you are never stopping in terms of, of what you're doing and preparing for the next season. It must be absolutely exhausting. I, I'm not here playing a small violin to Jürgen Klopp. He's, at the end of the day, got one of the, presumably one of the most rewarding jobs in the whole world. But at the same time, it's not a massive surprise to me that someone who's barely had a break over two pretty intense jobs um, is, is is pretty knackered. So fair play to him for, for taking the time to step away when not only things are going pretty well, but this looks like a new Liverpool team that could be very dominant for years to come. Should say other holiday destinations are available, not not just Dubai footballers. <laughs> maybe maybe three or four of them do go to other places <laughs> other than Dubai. John, Jonathan, who who do you think is going to take over? Xabi Alonso is staring the job in the face, really, isn't he? For what he's done at Leverkusen over the last eighteen months, still unbeaten this season. Yeah, the, at the time of recording. The timing is, it seems perfect for him. That mm. I think he's been very sensible in um, you know, working sort of in the background a little bit in Spain first, then taking the Leverkusen job. He sort of, you know, he's gone through an education that uh, maybe some high profile English midfielders haven't gone through. And, um, you know, the, the, the odd thing this season is Bayern aren't actually doing that badly. Their record's pretty good. I think there's only four games in which they've they've dropped points. And yet Leverkusen is still top of the league. Uh, so given the sort of football that, that, that Leverkusen is playing, given Xabi Alonso's links to Liverpool, it, it looks perfect. Whether he would think it's too big a leap at this stage, I, I don't know. I mean, um, but you know, after two seasons at Leverkusen, I, I guess that probably is time to, to test yourself. Uh, if not him, Deserbi seems to be highly fancied, I think. That game between Brighton and Liverpool in uh, what November was it? The two-two draw. I think that you sort of saw the mutual respect between Deserbi and Klopp. You saw that there were certain similarities of approach. Not you know, not exactly the same, but the, but the you know, fact they both want to win the ball back out of the pitch. The, 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 there's there's enough there that you can see Deserbi developing Klopp's side. It's not going to be a complete rebuild. So they do seem the two obvious ones. But you know, these things are so contingent on on timing that if Brighton yeah, you know, suddenly plummet down the, down the table and end up sort of 15th, 16th. And they're not on a good, I think, what, 3 and 16 they've won in the league, Brighton at the minute? Yeah, it's, it's not inconceivable that, that, that that run continues and, and that if they go out of Europe, 
that, that certainly Deserby doesn't look as, as attractive. Um, so hopefully Liverpool are, are wise enough to look beyond immediate form. Um, but yeah, he, he would appear to be Xabi Alonso's to, to turn down at the moment. I guess as well, like Real Madrid, I know they're not going to be looking for a new manager next season. Bayern Munich might not be either, but, but could be, you know, he could end up at one of his other former teams. You know, if it's, it's people would say maybe it's, it's too big a job and he needs another job in between, I would wager that if he didn't end up at Liverpool, he'd end up at one of those two clubs. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I, I think, you know, Steven Gerrard is a good example of this where had Jurgen Klopp decided to do this when Steven Gerrard was doing a very good job at you know, at Rangers or or even after that first season at Aston Villa, chances are Jarrod would have been the next Liverpool manager, um, which now, when you think back to that, is absolutely ludicrous. Like, he, there's absolutely no way he would be anywhere near an elite job now. Like, this football is, is fickle in terms of, of, of what, what jobs you can take. And I think for Xabi Alonso, the evidence at the moment to hand suggests that he's very good at this. But I don't think he's necessarily in a position where he can just say, well, no, I want to carry on for doing a couple more years and learning my craft here. Like this, this is a huge job that's coming up this summer where the potential is there to build or continue a, a legacy that's already been built by Jurgen Klopp with a fan base who already absolutely adore you. Um, he seems clearly the obvious um, candidate for me. There is just a matter of, of trying to win the Bundesliga this season. And I, and I think it's unlikely that we'll see Xabi Alonso commit to anything beyond the year whilst that is still a possibility. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't hear anything on this until kind of April, May time at the earliest. But but surely he's the, got to be the, the number one candidate. He's definitely, definitely the favourite, isn't he? He's the one that you expect to, to take that job. Let's look more towards the, the actual game now, Arsenal against Liverpool this weekend, Jonathan. And Liverpool were in rampant form, except for Darwin Nunes, against Chelsea last night. 4-1 winners and is no denying that the star of the show was Conor Bradley. Trent Alexander-Arnold on the bench, Jonathan. I mean, what are they feeding their right-backs in that Liverpool academy? Because he looks some prospect, doesn't he? Oh, he really does. Um I mean, we, I think we live in the golden age of the right-back. Uh, I don't think right-backs have ever been as good as this. No. Um, I, I, yeah, I think John Gavialli said that uh, the right-back was almost invariably the worst player in the team. But left-backs tend to be left to their own devices because there were a few left-footed players. But if you were right-footed and good at defending, they turned you into a centre-back. If you were right-footed and good on the ball, they pushed you into midfield. So the, the right-back was the bloke who was left over at the end. But yeah, that was 25 years ago, and the, the world is clearly a very different place now. Um, but it used to be the attacking fullback was always the left back. If you think back to when attacking fullbacks begin in the 60s with Chiquinta Fichetti at, at Inter, or Silvio Massolini with, with Boca in Argentina, or Nilton Santos, I even sat earlier winning the World Cup with Brazil in 58, they were always left footed players, always playing on the left. Well, now both fullbacks, and I guess it's been a thing over the last 20, 30 years that, that we've seen fullbacks become more and more attacking. And maybe now this is the time when Alexander Arnold makes the, the move in the midfield permanently. Maybe maybe this is the push that they need. And, and Liverpool do need, you know, if you're looking at that squad, we're talking about the rejuvenation of that squad, the, the, the one area where you'd say that they, they really do need somebody is, is at the back of midfield. So if Alexander-Arnold can learn to do that, and he would appear to have the skill set, and that's the sort of player he was when he came to at youth level, then, then maybe they killed two birds with one stone. Yeah, very... feels like they've got a lot of depth in, in defence now, George, with with those players coming through. Connor Bradley, I've been impressed with Gerard, Gerard Quanza as well. When he's played, I've, I've liked the look of him at centre-back. You know, we talk about managers leaving teams in good places when they leave. Suddenly, over the last maybe three 
four weeks, it feels like there's a, a batch of academy prospects coming through in that defence as well. And suddenly, they look really strong in that area with a mixture of experience and youth. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think Bradley's form is going to see him, you know, stake a claim to be a, a pretty regular right back. And, and as we say, it's going to change the way that Trent is probably used from now on because he, he's absolutely the, the the modern day right back. We saw him have an amazing season last season at Bolton in League One. Um, mad now to think that Bolton last season in League One had both James Trafford and Conor Bradley in, in their starting eleven. How many millions of talent is that? Is that now? Uh, but he was quality. You know, he was one of the best players in the whole league. He's someone who gets up and down the, the, the flank really well. The goal we saw him score against Chelsea yesterday is is all him. He gets into loads of goal scoring opportunities on that right hand side as well, um, and has a bit of finishing ability across the keeper to, to pull it off. You're right with concept such a classy uh, ball playing defender um, who is right in that mould of, of of what all kind of elite clubs want from their centre backs. Definitely really exciting at the moment for, for Liverpool to see not only the players they brought in in the summer settle so quickly, but also <clears throat> the players who, who they develop themselves. You know, even players like Curtis Jones, who, who continue to improve, so I, I still think doesn't get anywhere near the amount of praise he should do. Like, he should be on the plane in, in the summer and he's not even getting a mention for it. Um, yeah, yeah a, an incredibly exciting time to be a Liverpool fan. Yeah, Joe Gomez is suddenly well, filling in everywhere and look, looking great as well, isn't he? As well, left back, right back, centre back on occasion. Jarrell Quanta reminds me a little bit in some ways of Matip, just in the way he, pr- he progresses progresses the ball. So maybe a ready-made replacement there. All that we've just said about Connor Bradley, though, Jonathan, I guess he won't play in this game. Uh, that's that's a good question. I don't know. Um, we well, wouldn't know because you're not Jurgen Klopp, but I, I feel like he won't play in this game. Yeah, uh, but. On the other hand, if you've played that well and you're in that form, can, yeah, do you really want to drop him? I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's a, I'd say it's a coin toss. Um, I, and you know, the, the way that, the way that you introduce these players, what you when they suddenly come in and suddenly play like that, to 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 when they they, in that kind of form, and it, you know, it's against Chelsea. Okay, it's not not the, the the best team in the world, but equally, it's not Bolton or Sheffield United. It's a proper team. And he's been arguably the dominant player on the pitch. I don't, I don't know. I, I and I quite, you know, quite quite fancy that matchup against Martinelli. If it, if it is Martinelli, a player who sort of whose form isn't great, I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'd, I, I mean, it depends to an extent on Alexander Arnold's fitness as well. Uh, yeah. Whether he is whether he is fully fit. Uh, but yeah, I don't think it's an obvious call at all. I'm thinking on the basis that. Trent's ended some games in midfield, but he hasn't actually started a game in, in midfield yet, I don't think, for Liverpool in the Premier League. So I feel like in a game of this magnitude, it would be quite bold to try something new for, for, for that game. Do you think they just did, did they not just play the same team? I don't think you can leave Trent out of this game. I wouldn't have thought. Do you not? No. I don't know. Trent's form before before he got injured, you know, Trent. Everyone was raving about Trent, weren't they? And how, how good his form was and how how well he was playing. I wish that thumb would stop coming up whenever I whenever I move my hand. <laughs> um, do, 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 do you get what I'm saying though? To to do it in to do it in a game of this magnitude, I just feel that would be such a bold call. But then again, Jurgen Klopp, he is a bold manager, and Bradley actually came on and played against Arsenal, didn't he, in the FA Cup? But I, I and, and played very really well. So, to, yeah. to change it, yeah, yeah. I think be, I think that'd be unchanged. You have to put no. You have to put Trent in. Let's talk a, a little bit more about Liverpool because you know we both we all would have would have watched them last night. I, I'm sure Jota's just come in for Salah and basically just picked up where Salah left left off. George, he's he's not the same type of player. They're not even playing in the same position. But I did say on on another show that 
I would back Jota to score probably as many goals as, as Salah in, in a run in the team. And actually, he's doing it so far. Wow. I mean, that's a big call as I'm well. I'm not saying over a sustained but... period of a 38-game season, but I'm saying for four four or right. five games that you come in for, Jota, I reckon's output... Well, it is. He, he's scoring. I, I yeah, know you don't get the thumbs up for that. The magic thumb that tells you when you've done well, <laughs> well hasn't appeared for you. I actually do the thumb, though. Nothing comes up. But when oh, yeah. I move my hand... That's I'm surprised. Thumbs up. When I was... I was reading the running order this morning that the the, the front player that, that was chosen to to to, to uh, discuss was Jota rather than Darwin Nunes, who set a record with eleven shots uh, taken in the game uh, last night. Hit the work four times. I mean that guy, an absolute enigma. Um, but Jota is is what Darwin Nunes isn't. He's really clinical. He's someone who is very very good at, at putting the ball away, and, and he's someone who just seems. He seems to flip in between being unavailable and injured to being in the side and performing in a way that you don't really see many players do that. Like he doesn't seem to need to get up to speed. He's he's very he's very dependable. He's reliable. He's kind of the perfect person to have as an option, especially in a system that Liverpool play, where he can play through the middle, he can play off the right, he can probably play off the left if, at, a, at a push too. Just such a clever signing. And um, yeah, after Darwin had missed a few chances last night, um, no surprise that Rajotu got the all important first goal that got Liverpool up and running. Yeah, Can I give you a great Darwin Nunez stat? Oh, I like it. So uh, there have been 528 players who've had a shot in the Premier League this season. Of that 528, if you look at non-penalty goals minus XG, Darwin Nunez ranks 525th. Do you want to have a guess <laughs> at the three players below him? Two of them are very gettable. One of them, I'd be very impressed. Is it our players who've scored? No, players have had a shot. Porra, because yeah, there was a stat about him. The other no, but Porra is just is 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 in the yeah you know, he's below five hundred, but he's he's above Darwin Nunez. Two I'm of them are centre forward, the other one's not. I mean, I've been up since three a.m. three days in a row, and I'm not convinced I've a hundred percent understood the question. Okay, so non-penalty goals, right? <laughs> you're in the middle of five. Okay, you know goals, and you yeah. know goals that don't come from a penalty. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, got it. If you subtract from that, take away from that the XG. Hmm. So obviously the higher that is, the more goals you're scoring relative to the goals you've expected to score. The lower that figure is, the fewer. Yeah. So it's a rough measure of striking efficiency. The three players below Darwin Nunez out of the 528 have had a shot in the Premier League. Two of them are regular centre-forwards for their club. And the other one's Yamoliuk from Brentford, who I wouldn't expect you to get. Well, him enough. Nope. Good guess, though, that, George. Thank you. Jesus? I'd say that, that even... Not, not Jesus. Jesus is 500th, I think. Not a bad Rashford? Guess, it's almost like I looked this up for a piece I was doing for, for the Observer today. <laughs> uh, not Rashford, no. Rashford? Like, they're, they're sort of... I mean, not quite that saturated player, but not far off. Like They're, de they're definitely, you'd say, at the moment, they're the main centre-forward for their club. I'm going to reluctantly say, is it, no, it can't be Ollie Watkins. Nope. No. No. Nicholas Jackson. Jackson. Nicholas Jackson, very good. He's 526th. Oh. And the other one is Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Oh, I nearly oh, guessed. I nearly, I, was, I nearly guessed him before before uh, George. It doesn't, doesn't count if you nearly guess. You have to actually no, say I know. it. Otherwise, I won't I know. know. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on tenterhooks, Jonathan, because I'm expecting this knock on the door that I was told was coming yeah. five minutes, and I tried to delay the start of the podcast, and you said, let's just start. Thank and God we didn't wait. And it's been yeah. about 20 minutes, so it's a good job. <laughs> Jonathan, Jonathan knows best. And we spoke about Klopp leaving Liverpool. In years gone by, the Barcelona job coming up would get clubs a, a little bit itchy that their manager might leave. But it kind of feels like Arteta's got everything he needs at Arsenal. If Barcelona did come calling for Arteta, 
do you think he'd be tempted or do you think he'll stay where he is? I'd be amazed if he went. I mean, that, that story came out in Spain. It there was no sourcing. It was it was buried in the third paragraph of the piece and it was sort of couched in. There's no evidence yet. I mean, I can see why Barcelona would, would want to link themselves to Arteta. Obviously, he came through La Masia. The fact that he served as apprenticeship with Guardiola, yeah, it makes sense from their point of view. But it makes no sense from his point of view. I mean, they're, they're an abs- still an absolute basket case of a club, 1.2 billion, 1.3 billion, I think now, euros in debt. Yeah. Um, Lewandowski getting to the end, a squad that's massively unbalanced. Um, all these levers that they've pulled, meaning that the income's not necessarily coming in at the minute, they desperately need to start winning. Enormous pressure. Uh, I, you know, I, I just don't know why you would leave almost any club to go to Barcelona. I mean, obviously that's not quite true, but... If you're in a kind of Champions League club in one of the big four or five leagues, I don't know why you'd go there. And at Arsenal, he seems to have pretty much everything he wants, and he is building something. And yeah, they—I they, mean, whether this season turns out to be better than last season, there's no sense of regress. They, they, there's still this sort of sense of progress. So I, I think it'd be a, an extraordinary decision to to leave. And you know, he—if it is—if it does come down to some sort of emotional attachment. Well, he's got that with Arsenal as well. He's plenty, yeah, spent definitely. plenty of time there as a player. So I, I'd be absolutely flabbergasted if he left. Yeah. I mean, not, no, if they lose 10 games in a row from now, maybe it's a different story. But assuming their form carries on pretty much as it is. I, I agree with you. It was a decent result for Arsenal in the wake away at Forest Georgia Ground. They tripped up that last season. You had to kind of get a couple of victories in a row now for Arsenal. It kind of, that feels like that's what they needed. Yeah, it's absolutely what they needed um, after a difficult run that saw them going from you know, being the, the most likely challenger to City to seeing Liverpool go past them. And this is their opportunity to put that right. Um, it's a funny game against Forest where they they really dominated possession, especially in the first half. I had loads of the ball, but didn't create loads of opportunities. Uh, and then when they got ahead, um, it was Forest who kind of came back into the game and caused them a, a bit of a stir. Like it still feels like things aren't quite you know if we take the last season and a half at Arsenal it still feels like right now they're, they're certainly aren't the level they were for the majority of last season and uh, for the start of this one um it's a huge game this for them though because you, you really feel like if they are beaten here at home to Liverpool you know it's it's way too early to call it a two-horse race but suddenly it is very much you know Liverpool who are who are leading the charge with, with City trying to trying to kind of reclaim their their top spot um, however, if Arsenal can get a win here then that puts them firmly into, into the mix of the three so a uh, big game but yeah Going into it, it feels to me like Liverpool are in a on a surer footing right now, even if Arsenal have got a couple of results to, to put an end to that, that poor run of losses. Yeah, I think there'll be a few teams hoping for a, a draw in this one. And, and on that subject, what are we going for for predictions, Jonathan? I'm going for draw, 1-1. Yeah, I've gone for draw as well, 2-2. Two, two. George? 2-1 two, Liverpool. 2-1 to Liverpool. Right, then let's take a break from the actual action, even though we started by talking about everything but football, so we've already kind of had a break. Let's talk about the January transfer window. At the time of recording, it hasn't slammed shut yet, the old window. We know it has a tendency to slam shut at the, at the end of the day. Is there any signings that have caught your eye, Jonathan? I mean, not really. It's more been... The, the, there haven't been many signings. I think it's the interesting yeah. thing. People taking it's been a, it's been a tough uh, month PSR while, seriously. Yeah. But if you want to... I'll pick four for you. I mean, that, that'll that leave George with absolutely nothing. But uh, I would I would give you the four that are mildly interesting. So Gio Reyna going to Forest. I think him trying to resurrect his career. Sunderland lad, obviously, Gio Reyna. Yeah, Do you know I, why I he's hope... called Gio, though, Jonathan? I don't, know. He's called Gio because he was named after Claudio Reyna's midfield partner at Rangers, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. Ah, Learned okay. that this week. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think that should relieve some of the creative pressure on Morgan Gibbs White at Forest. So that that makes sense. Calvin Phillips going to West Ham again. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, if he's going to get in the Euro squad, he's got to play football, and so hopefully he can play and can regain his form. Um, uh, Dragashin going to Spurs. I mean, obviously the biggest fee in the window, the fact he's the first Spurs to buy in, I think is interesting. And then Enes Unal going to Bournemouth, you know, somebody who's been hyped for quite a long time. He's had terrible problems with injuries and you just hope that he he can hit something like the level that's been predicted for him over the last decade or so. He wasn't the striker. Arsenal were linked with the striker. No, he's been linked with everybody for ages. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, he, he has been linked to to almost every club. He's He, he was... The, so, I mean, for basically for a decade, he's been incredibly highly rated and then just keeps getting injured. So okay. um, hopefully, you know, he, he can be rehabilitated. Yeah, George, you're fading off the scraps here now. What, what, what have you got from Aforis in the scraps? Jonathan's kindly left me the two kind of big EFL transfers. Um, he knows what he's doing. Very interesting. He knows um, what he's doing. Professional. <laughs> set, me up, set me up beautifully. I have to call my first son, Jonathan, for that midfield uh, partner. <laughs> I'll take it back um, about the scraps, Jonathan. Just create, just creating, just finding the space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think starting with Morgan Rogers, it's, it's a really interesting signing this one um, for Villa, where it's quite rare to, to see a guy getting bought by a Premier League club off the back of probably rep- reputation and half a good season. You know, Morgan Rogers was initially at West Brom, Manchester City bought him out of West Brom's academy to put into their academy. He had an amazing loan at Lincoln, where looking back, you know, it's no surprise Lincoln got to the playoff final in League One when they had Morgan Rogers on the left wing and Brennan Johnson, Brennan Johnson on the right wing. Um, he then had a very poor loan spell at Bournemouth where he couldn't get into the side. He then had a poor loan spell at, well, not, had a difficult loan spell last season uh, at Blackpool. And it's just mad if you think that this time last year, Morgan Rogers was playing for Mick McCarthy at Blackpool and struggling to impact game as much. And now he's gone to the Premier yeah. League to a side who have tight aspirations for 10 million and rising. Um, he is very talented. He is a, a, a good physical specimen as well. You know, he's someone who carries the ball well, but is also a good creative passer, plays as number 10, but can carry himself physically. My real concern is that we've seen him for the first time, basically since being a Lincoln, seeing him get consistent minutes for a side in his desired position. He's improved so much in six months. So I kind of hate the idea that he's going to be going to a Villa side where he's not going to get as much time on the ball. He's going to spend a lot of time sitting on the bench. And I really worry that in the same way that we saw Jack Clark, when Jack Clark came in uh, to Spurs from Leeds, um, to an extent Fabio Carvalho as well, where these are guys who need to play football. And it's no slight on them if they're not quite good enough to get into a, a top-end Premier League side. And I worry that Rodgers might be one of those that we'll see get loaned out to the Championship again next season, having struggled to make a real impact. On the other hand, you've got Adam Wharton, who's going or gone from uh, Blackburn to Crystal Palace. And this is an unbelievable signing. He is, you know, him and Adam Scott were, were quite clearly the two proper elite talents in the championship last season. Uh, Wharton, well, I'm going to I'm gonna have to correct you and say it's Alex Scott, George. I, I, I don't know to correct you on here. What did I say? Adam Scott. Adam. Yeah, the actor. Yeah, it's because of... I'm severing. It's no, no, it's the golfer. It's the golfer. It's the golfer. Yeah. Uh, not the actor, um, master champion in 2013. Um, it's uh, yeah, Australian belly putter, exactly. Yeah, couldn't putt now, now, it's quite a good putter. Um, it's also because they're you know, Adam Morton, so Abe was on my mind. Um, but yeah, Wharton, he's a he's just a complete Rolls Royce of a, of a, of a central midfielder, so good on the ball. Um, really, 
has all the technical capacity to, to dominate the game. He had an interview a couple of weeks ago where he said that Busquets and Rodri were his two kind of icons in the way that they play. He's got a bit of work to do from a kind of out of possession standpoint in terms of uh, winning the ball back in, in. But he is that vein of, of just real quality ball player who can keep uh, the tempo ticking along, has a brilliant range of passing, very tenacious. He will, if he stays fit, like he will play for England, he'll play a lot for England and Palace having signed Abereze, having signed Michael Alise and um, even Mark Gahey, who obviously came from Chelsea but has shown what he could do at the Championship at Swansea. They're just doing what other teams don't seem willing to do and they're cherry-picking the best CFL talent, the best Championship talent, who will go on to play at the very top level. I mean, correcting George Ellick on, on AFL, you'll find me on the Not The Top 20 podcast next week instead of George. Yeah, absolutely. Hosting, right. <laughs> hosting with Ali Maxwell. Watch out for that. New job for me. Uh, so I mean, I get a week off. Uh, no time for week off. You've got to get back to your transfer war room, George. No, no time for no time for weeks uh, off when you've got a war room in your house. Yeah, I think that covers well, the, the January window. The, you probably window will be closed next week. Oh yeah, we won't. Yeah, true. Is it closed everywhere. Yeah, it will be. Won't it? I should know that as I've been working in transfers all month. It has been. Is it, is it closed in Saudi Arabia? Yesterday. In, oh no, it? Tuesday. 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 Saudi okay. Arabia. Because Almir on played in the I think game. Sweden is still open. Sweden, yeah, could get a move. Could be some moves in in Sweden. But I think that could probably covers the January transfer window. Then it's time then for our predictions this game week. Then and we'll start with Everton against Tottenham. George, what are you going for? Two one Spurs. Two one to Spurs. Jonathan, one one. One one. I've gone for three one to Tottenham. Brighton against Crystal Palace. The M twenty three derby. If I'm, I'm not mistaken, I think it's M twenty three. Jonathan, uh, one nil to Brighton. 1-0 to Brighton. I've gone for 2-0 to Brighton. George? 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two. Two, two. What a result that was for Luton against Brighton, by the way. The other night, big game at the bottom, it feels. Burnley against Fulham. I've gone for 1-0 to Burnley. Not sure what I've based that on at all. George? I've gone for 2-1 to Burnley. What are we saying? I've based, it, I've based it on knowledge. Jonathan? I've gone 1-0 mm. to Fulham. One nil to Fulham. Oh, nice little spread there. Newcastle against Luton. Jonathan? 2-0 to Newcastle. 2-0 to Newcastle, George. 1-0. I've got for 1-0 as well, George. Great minds think alike. Sheffield United against Aston Villa. Villa got a terrible record at Bramall Lane. George, what have you gone for? 3-1 Villa. 3-1 Villa. I've gone 2-1 to Villa. Jonathan? Also 2-1 to Villa. 2-1 to Villa. Inexplicably chose for a 5.30 television kickoff and who knows why like the, the home game was on a friday night as well why did, they, why did this game keep getting picked for television bournemouth against nottingham forest jonathan uh 2-1 to bournemouth 2-1 to bournemouth i've gone for 3-1 to bournemouth george 2-1 bournemouth 2-1 bournemouth of course there's a dog barking outside to set the dog downstairs is that coming through yeah yeah uh chelsea against Wolves, george uh one all Oh, I've got George. I've gone for one all as well. Jonathan? I've gone 1-0 to Chelsea. 1-0 to Chelsea. Manchester United against West Ham, please, Jonathan. 2-1 to Manchester United. 2-1 Manchester United. I've gone exactly the same. 2-1 to Manchester United. George? 1-0. One 1-0. All. One all. And, of course, we've already done Arsenal against Liverpool. And we're about to cover Brentford against Manchester City. So you'll get to hear our predictions at the end of that segment. George, then, Brentford against Manchester City. Ivan Tony 2-2. Two two. What have you made of his return? Superb. Looks like he's never been gone. Um, amazing to see him get back. And looked so good straight away. Um, I think he's going to play a big part in Brent, the Brentford stress this season because they are Luton's improved form is is really bad news for the likes of Forrest, 
for Everton uh, for Brentford, but with Tony back in the side, it kind of feels unlikely that they're not going to pick up a little bit, uh, even if they weren't able to get the win in midweek. Um, so yeah, it's impressive to see what he's doing, and it's also big for the for the Euros, I think, because um, Tony needs to hit the ground running if he wants to be Harry Kane's understudy, and if he carries on the way he started, then there's no doubt that he should be. And what did you make of what did you make? Sorry, of the strike partnership, Jonathan, of, of Tony and Mope. Honestly, Mope had an eventful night last last night against uh, Tottenham. He's a strange bloke, isn't he? Isn't he Mope? But, but what do you make of that as a partnership? Because actually, in fairness to Mope. He has found his scoring boots again this season. Yeah, I mean, he he scores goals for Brentford in a way he's never managed to score them for anybody else. Um, but it you know it looks good. I was I was at that game when um, Brentford beat Forest. Tony's return. Um, I mean, astonishing atmosphere. The, the sort of the the weird sort of wrestling style promo video they put on the big screen and everything. But it worked. It played off. And you know, it's, it's not just Tony's finishing. It's his approach play. The way he drops deep. The way you know he's he's very good at turning with the ball and spreading it wide. Yeah, he was involved in everything good. And and Mope, I think, is a good foil for him because he works so hard. And the fact he now, as well as being just sort of an irritant who, who yeah, runs the defenders ragged, that goal he scored against Forrest is a great goal. It sort of got lost in the sort of in the Tony story, understandably enough, but it was an absolutely brilliant finish. Uh, well, the touch before the finish as well. So, it, it, you know, it, it works very well. So, um, Wissa... Is, is is still at the Cup of Nations because DRC, uh, despite not winning a game yet, is still is still in it. Uh, and Buemo, who's also actually very low down that list we talked about before, I think he's he's in the five twenties. But yeah, yeah, the fact he's injured, it, it doesn't really matter. The minute Mope and Tony, I think, will be the first choice anyway. I'd like to advocate that we have a start a new podcast called Jonathan Wilson's Lists to make lists of things <laughs> and then discuss them for an hour. I really feel. I mean, what a podcast that would be! Oh my god, this dog. <laughs> <laughs> Brentford are currently four points clear of relegation, George, but next fixtures coming up look pretty tough. City, Liverpool, City again, and Chelsea. So, you know, although things feel better with Tony there, they've still got to be wary of relegation, haven't they? They definitely do, especially with, with Luton in, in the form that they're in. Uh, you know, they, they're currently four points clear of the of the drop and Luton are out of it. So that they're it seems strange to be living in an era where Brentford can be considered too good to go down, but it does kind of feel like there's a bit of a complacency around the, the chances of them doing so. And when you look at the betting odds, that's reflected there as well, where Luton are heavily odds on Forest to seven to four for, for relegation, and Forest are only on on two points fewer than the, the Brentford, whereas Brentford are thirteen to one to go down. Um, as we say, you know, the, the return of Tony should mean they are better in the second half of the season, and they should be okay. But you know, there's there's no denying that. Given the, the fixtures they've got in the coming weeks, it might get worse before it gets better. Yeah, we, we spoke about Liverpool's academy earlier on in the show, Jonathan. Let's talk about Manchester City's academy here because Cole Palmer's gone to Chelsea in the summer. Oscar Bob's just seamlessly come in and taken his place in the squad. But actually, looks like he could be primed to make more of an impact at City than Cole Palmer did. Yeah, I mean, I think City must have known what they had before they let Palmer go. They, I mean, from what I heard, City seem relatively happy about selling him. I, I you know, I, I think they would have kept him and it was Palmer pushing to kind of to get regular first team football but, but precipitate the move. But I don't think City were too unhappy about it. And I think partly they probably thought, well, getting in oh forty five million was it is good money for a player who's not proven at Premier League level for all his obvious talent. You know, they 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 must have known what, what a talent Oscar Bob is to to, to step in. So um yeah, I think that looks like one of those moves where City done pretty well out of it. 
Chelsea looked to have done pretty well out of it, and Cole Palmer's presumably done pretty well out of it financially, and now he's getting the regular football that might get him a spot in the Euro squad. The City juggernaut seems to be clicking into gear as well all of a sudden, doesn't it, George? As I think most people predicted it would. Haaland now back, Kevin De Bruyne back as well, like he's never been away, you know, made such an impact in that last game against Newcastle. Jonathan Wilson-esque haircut for, for Kevin De Bruyne as well, albeit a, a little bit longer, but City have really clicked into gear <laughs> now, haven't they? Yeah, they're looking really good. Um, as we say, you know, with, with De Bruyne back, it gives him a completely different dimension. I also kind of think that his absence meant that we saw <clears throat> certain players take on roles that we hadn't seen them before, and that's put them in a good position where you, you look at the way they set up on um, on Wednesday night and, and, you know, the role that Foden was able to play as being a bit more of a creator. Like, it, you know, it, it feels like they're, they're in their element and the fact that they can play Julian Alvarez up front and basically rest or, or even drop Erling Haaland without much concern um, just shows how strong they are. So and they've, they've still got a, a bit of work to do. You know, they are currently uh, five points behind Liverpool, albeit with a game in hand. Um, but the you know the, the wobble that we saw earlier early in the season feels like a, a distant memory now. So that's it for this week's edition of the Edge of the Box podcast. Don't forget to check out Ultimate Fan if you are interested in that. And thanks to them for sponsoring the show. We'll be back next week to preview all the weekend's Premier League action, as we always do. But if you want to know when the pod is coming out, then subscribe wherever you get your podcast with your post notification on, and you know exactly when the next episode of Edge of the Box is out. Comment on this, like, wherever you get your podcast as well. All these things help the podcast grow. Thanks ever so much for watching, and tell all your friends and family about the podcast.